You're listening to Conversations with Kel, presented by QBE, an official podcast of the Sydney Swans. Thanks very much for tuning in to another episode of Conversations with Cal, proudly brought to you by QBE, 34 years in partnership. Thank you very much for you guys coming on board once again. Uh, today I'm very lucky, um, I want to have a chair, a little bit of a, uh, a different podcast with you all today. I've been very lucky um, to be involved with some great organisations um, throughout my football career, but... Um, before all this kind of COVID stuff happened, I uh, got the opportunity to do a little bit of volunteer work with an organisation called Pass It On Clothing. And uh, this organisation offers clothing and connection uh, to those who are homeless uh, throughout Sydney. And I'm very, very um, humbled to to be able to volunteer a few times this year. And, and it's a very, very eye-opening experience. And I, um, I do encourage everyone to, to listen to this podcast. It's a really, really uh, interesting topic. And I think it's particularly relevant with what's going on in the community at the moment. So um, I'm joined by Chris Vag, who's the founder of Parson on Clothing, who's going to have a chat to me today. Chris, thanks very much for um, for coming on the show. I know we've uh, we've been trying to get this going for for just over a week or so now. But um, how are you going in isolation, mate? Mate, there's no isolation where we are, mate. We've got to keep <laughs> going, you know. Like that's, that's the thing. Um, I think the thing with us is even with what's happened out there and all the government direction and guidelines because we're a really small organization i think that agility's really helped us like you know we've had to obviously you know when you come down as part of your ambassadorship etc um you can come in and be a part of the team we've had to strip all that back to just me and olga uh, michael does gosford by himself so it's a really skeleton team on the ground um and that's just to comply with all the guidelines that have changed um and then obviously now we're just doing takeaway there's no choice which is really sad because that's one of sort of one of our pillars that we try and uh, encourage with the homeless. Obviously, you've seen it. There's not a lot of choice in that space. So for us to be able to give people that choice um, is really, really empowering. And so that's been a bit disappointing that we've had to sort of change the delivery of our service to comply. But yeah. the most important thing is we're still out there delivering the service. Just before we get stuck into kind of the nitty gritty of, of how all this service works and really, you know, predominantly some, uh, for a bit of an education piece on, on people out there as well. Let's start with a little bit about your journey. How did um, you kind of give us a small summary of your own journey and how this foundation kind of started? Yeah, this is the, this is the bit I like to gloss over, isn't it? Because obviously <laughs> Olga, Olga, <laughs> Olga um, and for people who don't know, is my partner. She moved in, um, you know, we started co-inhabiting and I got home one day and my entire my entire wardrobe was kaput. It was gone. And I mean, it was gone. 300 pieces. You know, when you're a bachelor for so long, mate, and, you know, you live by yourself, you accumulate stuff. And like most men, I just keep pushing it to the back. Yes. Right? Not throwing it out. Um, and I got home one day and it was like a, like a hurricane had been through my wardrobe. It was gone. And I said, mate, what's happened here? Olga? She goes, you're not wearing that anymore. Um, you did let people know she's a stylist from Spain. So there was obviously going to be no argument. Right. I just sort of went, oh, you know, so that's how we started, mate. And obviously then I yeah, – this is part two of that is I, I was a practical bloke and I thought, well, if this falls over, I'm not starting again with my clothes. So I just stuck them up in the loft and just as a little bit of maybe <laughs> I can integrate them back in, right? Um, that didn't happen. I tried a few times to get some pieces back in and they, they were out the door pretty quick as well. So I, I kept them up there and then, you know, basically after 15 months, I sort of went, oh, God, you know, I've got to do something with this clothing. And then I saw some vision of another organisation called Orange Sky 
who are really young guys from Brisbane, mobile laundry and now showers for the homeless, really great organisation. And it just sort of made sense to me that you would look for clothing when you're getting your clothes washed and having that immediate opportunity to do it. You know, you've got a hole yeah. in your shirt, you need your shirt, it's right there. So, I mean, mate, you know, that was the, that was the idea around it. I approached them. Mate, I had no idea they were Young Australians of the Year. So you can imagine when they got some random messaging through Facebook. <laughs> right through. <laughs> hey, guys, I got this idea for you. You can imagine all the red lights going off in the joint. But we got it started, mate, and from, you know, 11 pieces on our first night, um, we now do 800 to 1,000 a week. We run 13 services a month. Um, and we go out and provide outdoor boutiques. I mean, the setup is that whole, I'm just trying to illustrate now, that choice um, value that we, so, that we so put a high price on is what really, really defines us and gives people power because instead of just, you know, getting something, that's what you get, you know, in that space, it's almost almost pushing you down further saying you're not worth choice. Yeah. And then so we just thought, you know what, we have to be able to allow people to go, what colour is that? You know, that fits you, whatever. Olga being a stylist was great because she could go, oh, no, no, tighten that up there, do that there, do this there, that fits you there. And it just opened that connection straight away. And, you know, with trust being such a trust, a massive currency in this space, it's the biggest currency. If people trust you in this space, they'll they'll let you help them. If not, they'll push you away. So that was the, that's the basic journey. That's how we started, mate. And now, obviously, um, just on a side note, I've got a, I've got a car loan for a month. Uh, sorry, six months today. Oh, great. Um, yeah, so I've got the – so we're still fun, crowdfunding in the background, but I was out at Penrith this morning. I thought I'd just give them a little plug. So they've come at us and uh, I've got a little crew count for six months now. Uh, unreal. Uh, which really helps now because, um, mate, the, the volume of people now and the volume of clothing we're passing on, we were struggling to fit them in the little rental that we used. Like it's starting to get crazy out there. So as I said, go back to the point, that's, that's how we started from just that small idea. Just We started with a wardrobe cull. And now it's um, morphed into, you know, we're at 92,500 pieces we've passed on. So if you can explain a little bit kind of how the model works, because you just never know who's listening and someone might might need um, a little bit of assistance out there. So you got, um, and you correct me if I'm wrong, about four or five different um, spaces throughout Sydney in which you um, offer your outreach service to. And basically anyone that's really in need um, can come to your pop-up shop. So, so where actually are those uh, services okay. throughout uh, Sydney. Yeah, so it's three it's three a week, yep. and then we do a fourth one um, once a month out in Arncliffe. So we do Martin places like the flagship. That's that's busy. That's like the hub of it. We do Parramatta in the west of Sydney. We do um, Gosford up in the north, and we do Arncliffe in the south. So one of the theories was we wanted to be able to be on a train line. Um, in four parts of the city that are easily accessible for anyone who needs them. You come up and you basically, we have an totally inclusive policy. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're disadvantaged, whether you're homeless. Obviously, it's targeted towards the homeless, but you can come up and select a piece of clothing. Um, as you know, everything is on an outdoor boutique, men's and women's racks. You know, I'm a little bit of a tyrant with my with my coat hangers. They must go back into the um, into the storage tubs there, and and that's great. And that's what you do, and that's how we do it. So um, we're trying to help people take away the need for them. Well, one one is the dignity of having clean clothes. I mean, we take that for granted, yep. right? But you know, a lot of people, a lot of people on the street, mate, are changing clothes immediately as we give them to them because they've been in the clothes we gave them last week for a week. Mm. Right, so yeah. that's happening in front. Right, that's and that's the sad nature of. It. But if we can take the need for someone 
to have to buy clothes, especially in the disadvantaged space, you know, and help them with cost of living so they can keep a roof over their head. That's huge. Um, so we want to try and break the cycle. But again, we also want to provide people with the dignity of, you know, putting on a fresh shirt. I mean, you know, you put on a fresh shirt, you go buy it, your shoulders go back, you look it in the mirror, you're feeling good. And I mean, that's part of it. Confidence is king, right? And in that space, when you're walked past by 100,000 people a day who virtually, um, you know, your mentality is I'm a bit of street furniture, I've got no value, I've got no whatever. It's one of those, it's a really simple way to build that up. Yes, the clothing is really important, but one thing I noticed um, through the handful of times I've kind of come down and, and helped out with yourself is it's more the environment for me that I see. Like, yes, the clothing is fantastic, but it's extremely inclusive, and I think that's one of the, um, the great things you should be really proud of is that, um, yes, you're out there hanging the clothes, but I, I have seen you and Olga um, – Actually, you're not even, not even behind the racks. You're actually out there kind of engaging in conversation, encouraging people to come in and, and use a service and connect with one another. Yeah, mate, it's one of the things, you mate, I love outreach. I, I like it's, it's for me, it's, it's sort of my favourite part of the week because I get to see people who, you know, are at really, really, really out of your sort of um, space and it's really neat to see that. It gives you great perspective. But, I, um, yeah, I think the thing is, we want to be, it's one of our catch cries, is we want to be the best hour of someone's day, if not their week. So, you know, we have that full on, we can't take music, but let's be a party. And, you know, like I'm a little bit of a little, little bit loose unit. So you get in there with the boys, and you're, you're riffing about footy and they're just ripping you apart. I mean, I like it. Like, I, you know, yeah. they don't miss you. They don't miss you there. I mean, you've been there before and they've been, they've ripped into you. Some of them oh, yeah. Right, and you just go, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's, and I think that's really good because it makes everyone even and together, right? I don't believe in the, you know, you just go there and just give something to someone and there's no engagement. You know, that's, yes. how does that help? You know, because one, the clothes are a vehicle to connect. You know, that's the really big thing. The clothes are a vehicle to connect and to engage. And it's only, oh, hello. No, all good. My phone just dropped. Continue. <laughs> Yes, continue. It's only when you do, it's only when, you know, you engage and connect, you can start to understand people, see what they can do. And also, you know, going forward from that, mate, success looks different to different people. So while you might engage with people who you, you can encourage just to get back into housing and secure housing and, and stay stable there, there are others who you think that might be able to come along with you with the journey and, you know, come into, into work and actually be able to strive to have um, a job and, and do that from where they are now. And, yeah. and that's one of the things when, you know, you know, we, one of the great things we do with the Swans is, you know, that, that day that we take the, everyone to the footy, you know, we had 36 there last year, mate. And just to see someone like Glenda, when she was speaking on camera go, I've never been in the SCG before. And mate, you know, like for me, I just, sit, that just makes you sit up and yeah. wake up and say, geez, I'm lucky. You know, mm. like I, I take a lot of this for granted and I've just – and that some of that stays with you, the really subtle stuff, yeah. and it really points out the difference, you know. Is, you know um, but that's – it's really great. And as I said, we have guys working with us when we go and do the pickups. So I actually have people who are homeless working yeah. with me because I want to integrate people back into the community, right? And you've got to make people do as much normal stuff as possible and go, look, you can do this, mm. right? This is not – like this is now the new normal. So that's, that's sort of what our – brief going forward is but it always started outreach because it always starts from that first conversation with a piece of clothing absolutely now i want to steer the conversation to currently what's going on at the moment with COVID 19 you understand the lockdowns and the laws that are all happening but first question i've got for you is your observation of what impact is COVID 19 having on the people who are currently homeless um 
Well, initially they were, you know, mate, they were left out for a couple of weeks. Um, look, it is what it is with the government. I mean, look, government have got a lot on their plate at the moment, right? So a lot of people now, if you're in the, um, if you're in the Centrelink system, you are now generally provided with um, a roof. But again, the problem is it's all by choice. So some people don't like to have the roof, you know, like actually. Yeah. Um, so COVID now, there's a lot of people off the street. Yet again, I think some of the issues are that some some people who've been living on the street for a certain amount of time are then just stuck in a room, right? So they've lost their sense of community and connection as well. So that can have a, an effect on people. So I mean, the real thing that's happening now is there's a swelling of numbers from people who have missed out on assistance from the government because, you know, the thing with COVID is it's in, it's shut down the entire community, not just one sector, mm. it's everyone. So most of uh, international students and we're starting to see a few of them and also migrant workers, right, who maybe worked in a bar and all of a sudden they were living in a hostel and all of a sudden, bang, they're gone. They've got, they can't pay for their hostel. They've got no work. They can't fly home because Europe's closed. Yeah. So, like Olga's, Olga's mother's stuck here at the moment. She uh, was tried to leave in that first week of March. Uh, sorry, last week of March. Her first flight back to Spain she could get on was June the 2nd. Right. So but there's a big hole now in the moment between people who haven't been caught in that net from government um, who are now presenting at our outreach in need and needing support from both our service, from food services, all types of services. So I guess question, what services are currently available to, to those that are, that are homeless at the moment? Um, or or is there any at all? Ones. Yeah, a lot of the mate, smaller ones, smaller agile ones. Um, right. a, lot of, uh, a lot of the larger ones, because of their, the way they're structured and the volunteers, et cetera, um, have to shut. So they don't provide that service anymore. Um, but the smaller agile ones are generally out there because um, they know the need, and, and they're also they're not they're not prohibited by their regulation. They're not prohibited by their processes. And I think it's I think one of the big words in this space is you really have to understand the word immediate. Because mm. if um, if someone needs a jumper, and I'll give you an example. We've had people walk through from other organisations and give someone a card to come and access a service at nine o'clock in the morning. And I look and scratch my head and go, mate, the bloke needs it now. Like you just there's no there's no yeah. there's no timeline on the street. Like the guy needs what you you can provide now. Why don't you have it in your hand? Oh, you know we don't work that way. Well, mate, we're well, not providing a service then, are you? Because you're making them comply to you. How about you support the need out here right now? And I think that's that's one of the words I find critical in this space is immediate. You know, um, but yeah, so that's it. So it's a really bare bones lot of services out there now, which is also meaning that the numbers are starting to congregate together and swell because there's only certain, whereas before there might have been a broad reach of services providing food during the, through the city, now it's basically Martin Place and other major areas. So the smaller places where the vans would go are now no longer servicing, so it's just smaller operators at one space. And, mate, there's a lot of people now. Like it's, you know, you're looking Martin Place on a Tuesday around 100 people. So particularly at Martin Place, like, the social gathering stuff, there's your, you know, one of your kind of trademarks or ethos is is connection. And that's the, and I, I touched on it briefly before about how that was my biggest observation. Yes, the clothing was important, but the connection and the interaction between everyone was, was equally as important. Yeah. How, how, how has that been from not only your, um, from your point of view and how, how difficult has it been to, to, to kind of not necessarily, I don't like using this term like push away, but I guess kind of, um, you have to kind of move on. 
mate. One word's difficult. Yeah. Right. It's just it's a core ethos of what we do. You know that. And to to go, oh, I can't really talk to you. I can't be within a meter and a half of you. I can't hug you, mate. There's there's people out there, and I mean, you've seen with, when we walk around and connecting with people, it's almost like they want their little pound of flesh of Chris or Olga or Cal or some of our other team that are there. It, it makes their week. You know, like it's this, this is my connection to someone who um, I can feel really open with um, and, ta- and touch and comfort and chat to really comfortably knowing that there's going to be no agenda or no anything else, you know, really comfortable. Mm. And they trust us. I think that's the word. So it's been hard on both both sides because I hate to go, oh, I can't do it. I can't not do it. But mm. we have to comply with the guidelines. The worst thing that could happen is us not going there. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's cold at night. I mean, the reality is we gave a guy a jacket the other week and he just said to me, bro, thank you so much, right? I, it, it's cold at night now. Yeah. Like, and he told me that the week after he was wearing it. I mean, that's one of the real – to me, that's one of the really big bits of pride I get from what we do is seeing people wear the kit. Like, actually, yeah. you know the impact it's had because they're wearing it. Um, I was yeah, reading – yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was reading um, one of your one of your LinkedIn articles um, that you that you regularly post, and I, I find them quite helpful in regards to kind of just constantly um, kind of being educated on, on what's actually happening out there. But one thing you, you, you said was that there's a, a tsunami, um, a potential tsunami of homelessness coming throughout, um, probably due to this COVID nineteen and the impacts of what's happening in the economy and and whatnot. Maybe talk a little bit about um, about that, I guess, and maybe. Your own fears about what might what, what you might see. Well, okay, I guess I guess I'll go firstly. The fears is I'll go to the first fears first, then work back. You have a look around the world. I mean, and as I said, you came to me after going to America and seeing yeah. the scale of the problem there, and that really touched you. You know, I've been to London a lot. You've been to major centres around the world, and, you, and the scale of it is huge. The only thing that's um, stopping us per capita being on that level is population. Right, because we've got a small population. But if you have a look at the um, at the data, we'd be in exactly the same spot as everyone else if we had the same size populations. Um, my what my fear is, everyone doesn't have a support base that could sustain them because the work won't be there. Like I think there's going to be a new lot of people homeless who were never even conceptually thought they were homeless. Bars go back at fifty percent. If that other 50% aren't at uni, can't go home, can't do whatever, where are they going to go? Where are they going to get their work from? Mm. Like, like if there's no work, how do we sustain a population in the city? Like, it's a very expensive city to live in. Um, you know, like, that's what I'm saying. My big concern is the economy is not just going to go click their fingers and come back. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah. It's like everyone yeah. thinks, okay, we're out, of, we're out of lockdown, everyone, let's just go back and it's, you know, starting back. This is going to take five to ten years. I mean, I don't want to put a a damper on people's spirits, but this is going to take five to ten years. That's a fair comment. You, know, you, only, have look, you only have to look at the, the amount of money the government's thrown at this so quickly to know there's a problem mm. coming. They've tried to make people not end up on the street. The drama is, though, how are you going to relate, How are you going to pull back the extra money that people are getting now? Like, you've got to retrieve it somehow. Look, like, how are you going to pull that back? That's what I've been thinking because you know, there's a lot of money being... being um being given out to the community. And I'm like, well, at some stage, this money is going to have to be paid back. So, uh. And bear in mind that they, they gener- the government generate their money from tax, and that's fair enough, right, from people working and people doing whatever. 
So where is it going to come back from if only half the population is still working because there's not the ind- there's not the jobs and that to support that? So there's there's that real big gap there. I mean, I think they're going to put the GST up. That would be the, that would be the, that would be the smartest thing to do because it's a consumption tax. So um, you only pay it if you buy things, mm. right? So that to me, that's that's where I think it's going to end up. But mate, as I said, it's just for me. It's for me the real concern is there. You know, you look at the numbers in retail dead, um, tourism and hospitality off a cliff, mm. right? And they are those um, industries that support young people and people in um, in work environments that aren't that stable. You know, they're quite casualized and it's part time and it's this and that. But while it's humming, you can earn a good income there. Yes. So when it stops uh, and if it doesn't go back and you've got to remember, I think the big thing will be confidence going forward in a lot of businesses simply because, you know, people are going to put a little bit in the bank now. Just they're not going to go full scale. They're just going to, you know, yeah. just going to keep because, everyone, you know, this pandemic came out of nowhere. Right. But it's it's shown that, you know, your your ability to hold on through a, a through a pandemic now might not have been up to scratch and now there's going to be you know there's going to be people setting up for what the next pandemic my business is now geared towards if that happens again mm. right so um, yeah so that's the concern is that the economy is not going to click back where are everyone who was working that now no longer can work where are they going to find jobs yeah. <laughs> if you don't have a job if you don't have a job right how can you pay rent Yes. Right. right. Like just that whole thing. You, need, you know, you need a job to pay rent and live. Now, if you don't have that, I don't know how you're going to do it. And especially, if, you know, big cities are generally those places where you come to make money. And unless you've got a really strong network in that city, who can you lean on to support you during this time? Mm. And if you're on your pat and you've got no job, what do you do? Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's the thing. And as I said, it's that, that scares me because it's just a – there's a lot of people going to be in this space now, I think, that had, you know, they could say 12 months ago they had no thought that it would ever be homeless. Mm. Working 40 hours, 50 hours in hospitality, you know, going to uni, doing this, that and the other, and yeah. now the whole thing has stopped it. Absolutely. So I just thought I'd probably share a little bit um, and I'd like you to comment kind of where you can on kind of um, – the handful of experiences I've had with you and pass it on and, and kind of um, just share a bit of the experience from, from someone who, to be honest, I'll put my hand and said, I had no idea about, about homelessness until um, I think, and, until you touched on it when I, when I went over to the USA and, and saw what was going on over there and, and came back to Australia. I still had no idea. And, um, but I just thought I'd kind of share a bit of experience, my personal experience, and maybe you can kind of comment on, on, um, on, on what, what you think and feel, but I've, Discuss the kind of connection piece that the environment that you've created is that everyone knows everyone. People turn up not not, not necessarily for the clothes. Like there's a lot of people that have actually come and they, they don't even look at the look um look at the racks. They just come and they just want to have a conversation and to be honest, they just have a chat. Um, the the clothing um, means a lot to them, and I think I didn't under, I didn't understand when I first kind of um, volunteered with uh, with your organisation that. Simple thing of a coat hanger and actually hanging the jacket um, on the on the railing and being able to just pick it up and hey, it might not be for them or it might not fit and they, and they can just put it back, you know, neatly and politely. It's a lot more. There's a lot more dignity and it's a ton more. Um, I don't know if pride's the word, but they probably get a lot more confidence being able to just have that choice. Um, the other thing I thought was the attitude. Um, 
and that's uh, my attitude of someone who's you know very blessed to have a roof over his head can go and buy the groceries and um have a you know have a really um decent job and the attitude of the homeless it's nothing to be to be scared of or to be frightened of um i've spoken to a fair few of um of the individuals during my visits and I've actually found that they have some real life experiences and stories that I can that I can connect with. I don't know if that kind of resonates with you, with you, Chris. Yeah, oh, one hundred percent. I mean, look, the I think we've got an army of people in that space who are underutilized, right? Who are just who have a real, um, mate. The big word I've got is resilience, right? And if you know they talk about resilience being a real key. Well, if you want to, you want to get resilient, go and spend a couple of nights on the street back to back. Yeah. I've done it. And I'll tell you what, the second night is like a horror show because you can do anything for a night, but when you've got to go back again, like, I mean, I remember sitting there going, Oh God, here we go. Like just, you know, what's coming, which is worse. But, um, I suppose like, as I said, the people there, um, the experience we share and, you know, you talked about, it's just a stigma. I think that's the stigmas of, Mate, we set ourselves up for success in life, right? So I don't think anyone get. well, I always say to people about the homeless space, mate, there's no one that when they were 10 years old when everyone asked what you want to be at school, oh, fireman, footy player, yep. this, that and the other. No one said I want to be homeless, right? So the first thing I think about the space is no one wants to be in there or no one tried to get in there, right? Mm. So that's the first point. The second one is everyone's human and I think the thing is, you know, they've got a bad, the homeless in general have got a bad rap because of, um, I don't know, you know, drugs and alcohol. And I, I suppose the, the, the mentality is it's your fault you're there, right? And then, and, and I think the easy thing to do is pigeonhole people into a box which allows you to walk past because I think that's the thing. Because, I mean, I see in Martin Place all the time. See people just, oh, the fake phone call. They just, oh, my, what am I going to do here, you know? And, again, I, I, I think people genuinely want to help, but it's a space where people haven't been shown how they can help, I think, in the past. It's, it's one of those things. So, mate, I suppose the other thing is, We've been really conscious of that we have to bring this out into the open to get a outcome. Um, we did a, a site visit when we were starting up at Gosford um, with a partner and, you know, the traditional things, those spaces they were looking at were under bridges, out of the way, um, you know, in dark sort of places. And I just sort of went, hang on a sec, no, 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 no. This works on both sides of the fence. One, we need to provide a safe location for everyone to be able to run everyone's outreach. But two, we need we need not to hide from the world. We need everyone to understand this is going on um, because I think in the end when people have enough, they'll, they'll find a solution. Like I just think we've got to make it uncomfortable enough for people in the, G, in the general population to know, okay, we need to create a, a result here and actually find a solution to this. Um, but, yeah, so as I said, mate, it's um, I love the people there. I actually I, – I do, as you know, get back to the original point, I miss – miss that miss that connection i miss talking footy like you know yeah. you talk about people missing the footy i tell you who misses the footy this lot i mean <laughs> mate, they they are, mate, they know more about the footy than anyone right they just they're in you know whether whichever codes they are into it and they love it and you know it's been a real drama for them because everything that they hold on to so our, our service amongst other services the footy seeing you guys you know the impact of that that has on their well-being has just been stripped away, mm. um, which is really, really sad. 
For those of you for those of you that have just tuned in, you're listening to Chris Vag from Pass It On Clothing. He's the founder that offer clothing connection throughout the homeless. This podcast is proudly brought to you by QBE Insurance. Another thing, Chris, I'd like to um, I'd like I'd personally like to share is um, my girlfriend's come down come down a couple of times and um, you know she was chatting to to a few of um few of our friends that are down there at Martin Place and. One story that, that that she always remembers is she was chatting, chatting to a lovely woman who just, um, and she was more like me. She didn't quite understand. You know, my partner was awkwardly asked, "Oh, you know, where do you, you know, where do you live?" And she said, "Oh, I've got an, um, an, an apartment in Surrey Hills." And she's like, "Oh, okay." And she was, "Why?" Didn't ask, but in her mind, she was like, "Oh, why are you kind of coming to to, um, to the outreach program?" And if you've if you've got a, um, a roof over your head and and I think the the woman that she was chained to kind of understood that Doty was like thinking about it, and and she actually said, "Oh, look, to be honest, I just got a really um, big bill uh, this month, and I just can't afford, um, I just can't afford to to go out and and buy some clothes." And and um, I think uh, that was the night of the barbecue as well. So you guys do a barbecue once a month, and she came down and just, "Yeah, I just need to save some money because I just can't afford this bill to be paid, and I've got groceries." And so I think that comes back to a lot about. Breaking the stigma down. Yeah, it's not necess- It's not necessarily, um, uh, you know, living under a bridge or on the street. You know, with a with a with a cup and you know, asking for some change. That everyone's circumstances are, are a little bit different, and that's what your program does. So, um, and another one that that she that she experienced, which um, I'm sure she won't mind mentioning, is just a, a young, um, a woman came up to her and just she mistaken her for someone else, and um, she said, oh. Uh, would you be able to go and buy me some sanitary pads? I can't actually afford to do it, and that that hit um, that really hit home to to my partner. Something um, and a product like that that she takes for granted that she had to go buy for someone else. So um, those are just two stories that kind of stood out to me that really impacted her. Mate, one of the, one of the things we do with our corporate programs, and obviously we're not doing it at the moment with um, everything that's going on, um, is we take you, and I've, I've obviously tried to encourage you to come along, um, Big Callum, at one stage when you're not playing footy, is to come and do our 24-hour homeless immersion, right? And it is the biggest perspective builder and wake-up call any human being will ever do, right? You don't one, you've never been so grateful to be able to close a door at night, um, walk to your fridge, open it, find something in there you want whenever you want, <laughs> walk to the bathroom, whenever you want and also to turn the light off at night and pull the doona over you on a bed like you've got no idea how that uh, feels once you've done and walked in people's shoes and I think that's really important also as far as your own life because you know I always say I'm a far better person than I was four years ago now because of the experiences I've had in that space and whether it's in this homeless space or something else I think the takeaway for people is you've you really understand and appreciate where you are if you jump out of your comfort zone uh, and see something else, you know. Like I think it's really, really important because all of a sudden it flicks the switch in your head about, oh, geez, I am lucky or I do appreciate this, I do appreciate that. Um, because, you know, obviously we, you know, as I said, we try and create success in our lives and I think it's really super important to find people outside of our sphere to get a deeper understanding of where we sit and how fortunate we are and what we want to do. So I think at the end of the day, a big, big part of what uh, what Chris's work and Olga is doing is, is breaking down this stigma. So, so 
we just want to kind of wrap it up, mate. What are the actions that kind of an, an individual can take in order to contribute to break this stigma down, do you think? Well, the first one is you can shift it to 45 degrees. So when you walk past someone who's sitting down there begging, even if you have nothing to give them, acknowledge them and stop and say, sorry, mate, or sorry, dear, I can't help you. I've got no coins, which many people don't. That makes an enormous difference to people's lives because all of a sudden um, you've stopped and acknowledged that's a human being. They're not a bit of street furniture that you're walking past, right? That is the number one thing. So you can't actually tangibly help them with um, coins or money, but it is so much to someone who is begging that someone actually acknowledges their existence there. That's the first thing. Yep. And just on that, it's the eye contact as well. Because one thing that you said to me was um, you'll see a lot of um, uh, homeless throughout the community. They'll have their head down. And the reason the head down is is for that, but it, it's shame. It's just dead set shame. So simple things like engaging in eye contact um, goes a long, long way. And, mate, you know what it is? You just stop and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Chris. Hi, I'm Cal. Yeah. <laughs> mate, you know what? No one's going to bite your head off, right? Honestly, like it's just it's that simple. Um, the second thing would uh, I think to be would be just, you know, Think about, or so in your own lives, I suppose, you know, about what you can do to repurpose stuff rather than, you know, like, and it's, I know that sounds really simple, but whether it's clothing, whether it's stuff you're throwing out, people can find a need for it. So even if it's, you know, it's, it's not us, but find, you know, a group on Facebook that um, helps people in need, you know, and you've got an old toaster, right, that you're, you're actually replacing, it still works. Instead of tossing it, put it up somewhere so someone who's disadvantaged has the ability to use that, right? And then again, obviously, then the sustainability aspect of waste, etc. Yeah. We're looking after the environment as well. But I'm just saying that if we just flip the switch with how can I repurpose this? Could this be something that's effective for someone else, not me right now? You know, without any monetary value changing hands. And then once you start giving, geez, it feels good to give and you sort of get on that tidal wave of, um, you know, you just start flicking the switch of helping people. Then it becomes natural, right? And then you'll stop and help and but as I said, it's as simple as I think the first one, which everyone could do and take away, is the next time that someone walks past someone in the city or in their community that is there doing it tough, even if you don't have any coins to um, give them or anything tangible, stop, introduce yourself and ask them how they're going um, and just see, right? And I think what you'll find is it makes your day as much as it makes theirs. Mm. Uh- I'd like to talk about uh, to finish up is you've got a really cool project you've got going on. Um, you've you're opening a, um, a shop in, in in Oxford Street. There, uh, you've got a lot going on, and you uh, I did read one of your um one of your articles. You said on LinkedIn it was that um, everyone's kind of closing down and we're <laughs> closing their retailers down, and we must be crazy to be uh, to be opening a shop um, uh, for, for pass it on clothing. But uh, now give us a little um, just a little snapshot, a little summary about. What's to come in that space? Uh, well, I, I should say, throw out to Toga first. So Toga, an organisation, they're developing that space uh, in between the time they get to um, get the DA approved. They will allow people to move into those spaces mm-hmm. in the meantime, so social enterprises or charities. So we've taken up a space right there on Oxford Street. Um, we have so much women's clothing. There'll be a selection of that um, that obviously we can't, we don't we can't pass on enough of it. So there'll be a little selection of that um, available to buy. The other option will be um, some men's stuff. We're hoping to do a deal with a retailer where you'll be able to buy it. It's be like an outlet store for them. Um, but the really neat thing in that space, and I think this is the nice thing, is that people will be able to come in, pick a piece off the racks, 
and put it into a bag, put their own message of hope on that bag, and we will pass that on in our next outreach. So if you come in and buy a dress, a medium-sized dress, and you say, right, no, no, this is not for me, you know, and then put that in the bag, say this is for a lady, can you give it to her? Absolutely. Mm. You'll write your own message of hope on that and then we'll be able to present that to someone at our next outreach. So it's a way for people to to give back um, and know that that piece of clothing is going to land on someone's back. And, you know, the one thing I, I will say about the, the clothing pack model that we've got going now, which sort of feeds into what I just spoke about, was, yeah, we can't do connection, we can't do choice, but you should see everyone open up the bags like it's Christmas. Right? Yeah. No one knows what's in it. Right? So it, it's it's not all doom and gloom in that thing. Like we, we, me and Olga were looking at each other going, oh, look at this. Like everyone's just, what's in here, what's in here. So you've got the full kit of jump art, this, that and the other, and people are holding them up and looking at them and putting them on. So it's, it's kind of like the kids under the Christmas tree at the moment with um, with the bags, right? Cause they can't actually see what's in them until they open them. So there's there's that benefit though. Um, so it's the same sort of thing. Like, mate, homeless don't give get given gifts much. Yeah. So imagine just to be able to get given a gift what's in the bag they don't know it's coming we just present it to you yeah uh, this is from this is from cal cal bought you a shirt oh my god right there's a brand new shirt there you can put on it's come from you and you've written your own message of hope on it right so that's what i think what the really neat thing will be doing up there so when you're steaming down oxford street anyone on the way to work or in the area of taylor square at 122 oxford street darlinghurst mm. um we will be in there from i think in the next sort of 10 days we'll be set up um and we'll be ready to go Unreal. Well, I'm definitely uh, definitely confident we're, we're going to get plenty of the boys to go down there because we're not too far from Oxford Street and we'll definitely come down and, and throw our support behind um, behind that terrific initiative. But Chris, I just want to thank you very much for your time. You've uh, you've pushed on uh, during pretty difficult times while uh, the easy, uh, like we've said this before, the easy decision would be to, to just say, oh, look, I'm going to have a break for a bit until... Um, until things kind of calm down a little bit, but you should be absolutely commended for for continuing to press on and keep tackling the projects that you're um, that you're tackling. But for anyone out there that would love to um, to get in touch with you or get in touch with uh, your organisation, the best way to do that would be through uh, we can email pass it on clothing and co at gmail.com or of course all the social channels at pass it on clothing. Um, you'll get hold of me and I will respond to you in haste and we'll see what we can do. But as I said, for uh, people can really get involved now. I think the, the really nice thing, everyone's at home now, do a wardrobe cull and push your boss to put one of these clothing bins within their organisation and then we can all get involved um, and help the homeless. Because as I said, there will be a spike in numbers. It's already, it's already showing right now. Um, so you'll be able to get involved and see... Uh, clothing that's sitting in your wardrobe repurposed and landing on the back of someone who needs it most. Absolutely fantastic. Thanks very much to to Chris Vag, founder of Pass It On Clothing. They offer clothing in connection to those that are out there that uh, um, that definitely need it. And we're going to see, um, uh, hopefully, see a bit more of Chris uh, throughout this time and uh, plenty more going into the future. I'm sure you're listening to Conversations with Cal, proudly brought to you by QBE.